EA's stock price fell 5% after its quarterly earnings today, and that could place the gaming giant in jeopardy. Good morning, good Wednesday morning to you. I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for February 2nd, 2022. It comes bright and early every weekday to our patrons who pledge at patreon.com sifted, and it's delayed a couple days for everyone else. If you like our content, we also have a separate podcast feed for our flagship show, Game Face, that you can find by searching your favorite podcast service. You'll find the podcast versions of the rest of our content in the same feed you found this. EA reported its quarterly earnings today, and while it met expectations for the quarter, its stock price still fell 5%. That may seem a little weird, but EA also lowered expected earnings by 100 million. CEO Andrew Wilson said that Battlefield 2042's launch did not meet expectations, and he mostly blamed it on COVID-induced remote development. He said there were unanticipated issues and some design choices didn't, re- quote-unquote, didn't resonate with fans. And here's another quote from Mr. Wilson. Through our process for testing and preparation, we believed the experience was ready to be put into our players' hands. We launched with strong stability. <laughs> okay. However... As more players experienced the full game, it became clear that there were unanticipated performance issues that we would need to address. Hmm. Unanticipated performance issues. If you've seen the B-roll of this game that we run on Game Face when we talk about it, you'll notice that the skybox just disappears randomly. Trees disappear, reappear, fall over. Blow in the wind when there's no wind and the other trees are there. The game was a mess just a month before release. And somehow Mr. Wilson is trying to tell us that there were unanticipated performance issues. Well, as a result of this, not only did EA's stock fall 5%, not only did EA change its guidance to lower earnings by $100 million for the next quarter. EA also just delayed Season 1 of Battlefield 2042 until the summer. So you bought this broken game at the end of 2021. It has remained broken, and you're not getting any extra content for that game until June, July, August of 2022. That's bad, people. That's... That's really bad. But here's the rub, the real rub with this, is that, as we just saw this week, with PlayStation buying Bungie, and we saw a week and a half before that, when Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, and we saw shortly before that, when Microsoft bought Bethesda, the big fish are looking for the littler fish. And when you lose 5% of your valuation in a day, Blood is in the water. If EA's stock price were to stay where it is now, or, God forbid, it continues to fall, it makes a precipitous dip, it could be a target for acquisition. 
They say strike while the iron's hot. Well, investors, it's always buying the dip. So if EA stock can't rebound from this drop, and if it goes down even further, those sharks, they're sharpening their teeth. We could see EA snatched up. That's where we're at right now. That's how volatile the industry is. It could just happen. And there are a couple companies that have the money to make that happen. The valuation for EA is big. That's not something I feel like you could see Sony do. Nintendo could do it. Microsoft could definitely do it. Imagine having Call of Duty and Battlefield and Madden and FIFA all under your exclusive banner. Hard to combat, that's for sure. Now it's time for some more stories from the top of your SIFs. Today Ubisoft announced a Rambo special event for Far Cry 6. The only rub is there's no Rambo. <laughs> Rambo is literally not in the DLC. Instead, you play as a Rambo fan. And you do get a headband so you can kind of look like Rambo. And if you complete the side quest, you get a really cool explosive bow. And it's free, but how do you have a Rambo special event with no Rambo? It's available now. Life is Strange Remastered Collection launched on PlayStation, Xbox, PC, and Stadia today. And a Switch version was supposed to be released today, but it ended up being delayed. No word really on what's going on with that, but it should still be coming. As far as the graphical improvements are concerned, they completely redid the character models. They also redid the facial animation for better lip syncing with the voiceover. The package includes Life is Strange, Life is Strange Before the Storm, and the bonus episode called Farewell. For some reason, it does not include Life is Strange 2. I do get that that was kind of a clean break from the first Life is Strange with new characters and things like that, but if you're going to do a Life is Strange remastered collection, you might want to collect all the games. Just saying. According to Bloomberg, the FTC is going to look into Microsoft's purchase of Activision Blizzard for antitrust concerns. Boy, this, <laughs> this is just what the PlayStation fans wanted to see. However, I think they're getting a little too excited over nothing. Um, the investigation will focus on how Activision services and games combined with Microsoft's platforms could harm rivals by limiting access to games like Call of Duty or the rest of Activision's portfolio of IP. But the truth is, this is really just a formality. Any deal of this size is going to come under the same scrutiny. I don't expect there to be any objections to the purchase in the end. But PlayStation fans are saying, so you're saying there's a chance. In an interview with VGC today, the whistleblower on the network exploit in Bandai Namco's Dark Souls franchise expressed concern that the same holes that allow hackers to infiltrate computers could also be in the netcode for Elden Ring. The Dark Souls servers have been shut down for a week now, which lets you know that Bandai Namco's well aware of what's going on and the severity of it. And actually, there's now evidence that the publisher knew of the netcode issues as far back as 2019. The publisher has a little under a month before the launch of Elden Ring, and I'm really starting to think that its network features might be disabled at launch for the PC version. If they haven't fixed these issues since 2019, 
how are they going to fix him in the next 20 some days? I just don't see it. Um, so I would say, as of right now, I would recommend buying the console version of Elden Ring over the PC version if you plan on picking it up. We got updates for Game Pass today as far as games that are coming and going. And while we do get a lot more games coming in, there's 10 games coming in, and it seems like seven going out. Really, the big deal is the games that are going out. So being added to the service this month, Crossfire X, Besiege, Ark, and seven other games that honestly dwindle in importance below Ark after that, they're not really big releases. But the service is losing Control, Final Fantasy XII, The Medium, Code Vein, The Falconeer, and Project Winner. So if you're the guy who's <laughs> who's dumped 40, 50 hours into Final Fantasy XII, it's time to wrap it up, bro. Because <laughs> they're going to be gone. And after they leave the service, and this is the rub with Game Pass, is that once a game leaves the service, if you want to continue playing it, you're going to have to buy it. Now, one thing I will say is Microsoft has done a really good job with how the saves work. So PSA, if you are playing a game on Game Pass and the game leaves Game Pass and you later buy either a retail or a digital version of that game, your save will work in that new retail version that you bought. So you might want to finish it up. Again, Final Fantasy XII, Control, Code Vein's a big game too. You may have dumped a lot of time into these games and if you don't want to have to pay for them at full price, you might want to wrap them up real soon. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's boss fight, where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. Today's boss fight is one that I've been working behind the scenes on for a while, and I just wanted to make sure that I had enough research to speak intelligently and eloquently on the topic, and that is the NFT, and more specifically for this podcast, the gaming NFT. A lot of people don't know what an NFT is, so I'm going to give you a quick crash course here on what it is and how it works. And I didn't know really either until I did the research and I took the time to do it. But an NFT is short for a non-fungible token. It's essentially a unique piece of data on a blockchain. And if you know cryptocurrency, it's basically a ledger that records all the transactions related to that piece of data. Because of their unique identifiers, NFT are used to secure digital certificates of ownership of artworks. But... It's important to remember that an NFT is not an actual artwork, digital or otherwise. You're not at, you, don't, you don't actually own the piece of art. It's also not the rights to copy, disseminate, or display the artwork. So you're not getting the rights so if somebody else uses the art that is tied to the NFT, you don't get royalties or any other kind of payment for that. NFT is also not exclusive versions of the JPEG that serve as the digital surrogate for physical art. So when you buy a JPEG or an NFT of the Mona Lisa, it's not the digital equivalent of the Mona Lisa. So you're probably asking, well, then what the hell is it? That's the question. Users invest in something that's basically intangible 
It's a digital receipt of ownership of an infinitely replicable image or other thing from online. And that's really the, the key word here, is infinitely replicable. An NFT is basically creating false scarcity. It makes you think that you're paying for something that there's only one of, but in truth, it can be duplicated billions and billions of times, and you would see no money for that duplication whatsoever. The general consensus in what people really think is that eventually they will in turn be able to sell this intangible thing for an insane return on their money. But really what happens is that early investors are paid out from the money coming in from the new investors who see the success of the early ones. So you see these people who bought the NFT, you see the value of their NFT has gone up, which convinces you then to buy the NFT yourself. It's a pyramid scheme. Trading eventually inflates the value of the NFTs and the original owners slowly cash out by selling off the NFTs they've minted for extraordinary prices. And meanwhile, the person on the bottom of the pyramid is hoping that they make it all the way to the top before the whole thing crashes and burns. And that's exactly what happens sometimes. So there was a cryptocurrency called Squidcoin, and it was all a scam. They basically stole the IP for Squid Game, the popular show on Netflix, and said that they were selling tokens for a video game based on Squid Game. So basically, if you bought these tokens, you could then use them in this Squid Game video game where you could parlay that token into more tokens and more value. Basically, gambling. So what happened is, when people bought the Squid Coin, they quickly found out that they were unable to sell it. The creators of Squid Coin set it up in such a way that once people got a coin, they could not sell it themselves. And so everyone who bought a coin was forced to stay in the game. And when there was enough money in the game, the founders of Squid Coin took everyone's money, completely dissolved the coin, and they were all left holding the bag. Not only was it a scam cashed out by its creators, it also relied on stolen IP to get people to buy the coin, Squid Game. Dirty. What I've discovered, really looking into this, is that NFTs are just the tech version of the pump and dump scam. It's just, it's just a pump and dump wrapped in high-tech clothing. There's other concerns with NFTs too. Um, first of all, just getting something minted so that you can sell it, the fees are insane. Oftentimes, what you pay to mint something into an NFT so that you can then sell it costs more than what you end up getting for the sale. There's no governing body to enforce resale commissions when an NFT changes hands. There's little to no protections for buyers. Purchased NFTs live in the purchaser's wallet, but it's on the company's server. And what has happened is a lot of times that data has just mysteriously disappeared and then the buyer has no recourse whatsoever. One of the leading NFT marketplaces, it's called OpenSea, admitted that 80% of the NFTs on its service were scams. It had to actually stop letting users mint NFTs. All right, let's talk about gaming and how this stuff relates to gaming because early last year, a little, little under a year ago, NFTs were the big thing in gaming. Every publisher was at least talking about them and then a few really committed to it. But even the ones that had committed to them now are starting to kind of change their stance in the last couple weeks. The developers behind Stalker 2 announced plans to implement NFTs in their shooter, but walked back those plans in literally in less than an hour after they announced them. Because fans were like, if you 
incorporate NFTs into your game, I will not buy it. And there were enough people saying that that it literally did an about phase in less than an hour. Really, the gaming publisher with the biggest commitment towards NFTs, though, is Ubisoft. Ubisoft announced this program called Quartz, which is a blockchain-powered NFT cosmetic system for its games. The first game that was going to use it was Ghost Recon Breakpoint. <laughs> Ubisoft put up an announcement trailer on YouTube, and it had one of the highest dislike ratios in the history of YouTube. 96% dislike. And Ubisoft, instead of just saying, you know what, the fans are right, we need to bail on this, Ubisoft has kind of dug in its heels. It's, and here's a direct quote from Ubisoft. We've made it so it's somewhat hard for people to get into it. You must purchase the game. You must play at least two hours. These barriers make it more difficult for pure spectators to get in and warp the market for these NFTs. Nor will Ubisoft games be required to implement NFTs in some way. So let's go back. The most important part of this quote is, so it's somewhat hard for people to get into it. And what does that tell you right there? That tells you that Ubisoft knows that the problem with NFTs are that they're a pump and dump. So they're trying to create this barrier so that people can't just come in and pump before the dump. So this, this quote from Ubisoft acknowledges one of the biggest problems with NFTs and one of the biggest reasons why people don't want them in their video games. Consequently... Ubisoft only sold 18 out of 3,000 NFTs, and it earned less than $2,000 for those NFTs. A recent survey from Game Developers Conference found that only 28% of game developers are interested in NFTs, but only 1% are actually using them now. I have a feeling that number is going to go down. It's going to be less than 28% within a week. <laughs> I would say within a week, it's probably down to 15%. After all this, you would assume that other publishers would get the drift, would catch the breeze. Some did. A Square Enix president, Yosuke Matsuda, he was all over NFTs. He was going to put them in all their games. He said it was the wave of the future. But he has also changed his stance. In a story from PC Gamer, it was revealed that Matsuda, despite the obvious massive backlash against putting NFTs in his games, he still thinks that it can work. He says that uh, blockchain technology will decentralize gaming. What does that even mean? He also says that the, the reason gamers hate them is because most gamers only play to have fun. Well, yeah, no shit. Why else do we play? I don't play games to get rich. <laughs> he did say he understands why people like us would not be into NFTs. So, in short, an NFT is essentially a pyramid scheme. A lot like a lot of cryptocurrency, like Squidcoin, like we pointed out earlier. Squidcoin is just one. There are so many crypto coins that are just pump and dump, where someone founds the coin, they are at the top of the pyramid, they obviously have the most of the coin, and then they have to convince people to get in underneath them to buy the coin. And then when the value of the coin goes up, they sell. And then the idea is that all the people who bought it under them, it continues to go up and they continue to sell. But that's not what happens because the founders have so much of the coin that when they sell it, it gets chopped in half and then immediately it's a panic sell. 
it's a pyramid scheme. Are there ways that NFTs could conscientiously be incorporated into video games? Probably. Maybe. But why? Isn't it just another microtransaction, another way for publishers to get more money out of players? <laughs> They're not a charity organization. The publishers wouldn't do it unless there was some financial gain for, for them. So I would say NFTs in gaming are dead in the water right now. They may eventually find a way to do it that won't upset 96% of players. I feel like that's a long ways off. And if you, someone were to ask me if they should buy an NFT of anything, I would not right now. It just, Bitcoin, crypto, already the Wild West, and NFTs have even less protections than most cryptocurrencies. So I would just say for now, stay the hell away. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I hope your week's going good. I'm Shane Satterfield, and you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at Dinfire and follow Sifted at Sifted Games. We'll be back with another one tomorrow morning, so make sure to check your phone when you get up and you're eating your Wheaties or you're eating your Cap'n Crunch like smart people do. But before then, make sure you seize today because there will never be another.